Today's episode of Blast Burn Radio was brought to you by Matthew, Ashley, Mark, and other listeners just like you. If you'd like to support Blast Burn Radio, you can do so over at patreon.com slash challengeacceptedmedia. You can pledge your support and start earning exclusive rewards today. Thank you. They said, look, you're a bomb, and I'm going to bring you to be a bomb. Do you understand? And she was like, I love you. You you could do no wrong to me. I love naive Pokemon. It's great. Did you get more wood? Oh, yeah. I had a strategy of just feeding my Marowak all the drugs. That's not medical advice. I, I'm not liable. <laughs> Podcasts aren't real. You are now listening to Blast Burn Radio. everyone and welcome back to another episode uh, a proper proper episode of blastburn radio uh, i am your host steven charbonneau and with me today as always are our <laughs> are once again starting a new series as the world maybe burns in literal nuclear hellfire co-hosts uh celeste dreyer and anna beth maservier celeste anna how the fuck do we always decide hey let's start like talking about pokemon more regularly as the world gets progressively shittier every time it's starting to feel like an art i choose to believe that we do it to bring some joy back into a dark world that's Completely not the thought process that we have when we start these. It's completely incidental, but I choose to believe that in the moment as we sit here to get ready to do the series. Hopefully. I mean, we are hearing trumpets now. We we are. We are we are on the verge of trumpets and entirely too much water. I'm not I'm not gonna dwell here because that's not what any of us are here for, but I do just want to take a moment to say that if any of our listeners are from or tied to Ukraine, our thoughts and prayers are with you right now because things are very, very bad. Um fuck Vladimir Putin and his regime. Um I don't feel like that is a radical statement. It isn't. Also, fuck Greg Abbott and bigots. Fuck bigots. Um the world's this very scary place right now to be central european or non-cis white het in america uh which are not things that are connected but feel like it right now um and that sucks and we're sorry and we love you guys uh universally we share something even like beyond fandom that brings us here we share humanity and we care about you for that so i'm sorry everything sucks right now (laughs) just important to remember bigotry and fascism are the worst, and they often go hand in hand. Don't be either of them. Hey guys, fuck Nazis. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Punch a Nazi. We like that. That's the tagline of this episode. Yeah, yeah. Episode 101, fuck Nazis. Fuck Nazis. Fuck Nazis. All right, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Of course, it is a season premiere, and as such, it is just chock-a-block of full of content. Uh, but before we dive into our premiere episode, 
we we have some poke news. I I wanted to save all the poke news for next time. This simply cannot wait. So do 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 do. Here is the poke news. The poke news. First of all, happy Pokemon Day to everybody listening, um, which was actually yesterday as of the time you're hearing this, uh, but it is still in the future for us in real because timey-wimey internet bullshit. We will have gotten a 14-minute Pokemon Direct, which we will talk about in the next episode because we have not seen it because it's in the future. That is not the shortest Direct that has ever announced a new generation, but it is the shortest Direct in several years. I, I'm just going to put my money down now that if we get a new generation announcement on Pokemon Day, it is like literally going to be a title drop and nothing else. I, I think that w- w- whatever else we get, it, it is not going to be the focus of the presentation if we get it at all. But yeah, we'll have a presentation. I'm sure something is going to be announced. We will talk about it next time. Um, Hoopas in Pokemon Unite. That's rad as hell. Uh, not who I was expecting to be added, but I'm very excited for our weird little genie friend. But that's not what we're going to talk about either. The big news that cannot wait is the eShop, specifically the eShop for 3DS and Wii U, which was announced this week to be closing. Specifically, these online merchant platforms are scheduled to close for new purchases and downloads of free software in March of 2023. Now, I have to tell you guys, this news first dropped like literally an hour before I was set to go live on Twitch. And I was I was livid. I was furious. I was prepared to go live and get in front of an audience of fellow Pokemon fans and just start ranting and raving about what a colossal fucking fuck up that this entire thing is. Uh, when immediately after I was live and talking, uh, the Pokemon company clarified that Pokemon Bank for 3DS will become a free service when this happens, Um, that it's not going to go away when you lose your ability to pay your subscription. They're just going to stop charging us, which is good. That being said, it's a service that almost certainly is not going to last forever. This is a temporary stopgap solution, but it is a solution for now. Um, You will be able to continue to transfer your old generation Pokemon up to Pokemon Home as long as you have Pokemon Bank on your device. Now, Nintendo did announce that there are no current plans to migrate current software, including virtual console software to Switch. So unless we get like a a classic games to Switch announcement from Pokemon on Pokemon Day, which is is possible. Currently, it appears that games like the Generation 1 and 2 Pokemon games on virtual console for 3DS, uh, especially the Dream Radar, uh, which connects to, to Generation 5. Pokemon Snap and the Ranger series, which are on the Wii U virtual console. These are titles that are all going to go away forever as of March of next year. So this is your call to arms, Blastburn Radio fans, Pokemon fans. If we are your primary source for Pokemon news, if you're at home right now, if you're not at work or commuting, pause the podcast, go find your 3DS. If you have not yet installed, install Pokemon Bank, you don't have to subscribe to it. You just have to have it on your console install dream radar which is free and you'll never be able to get it again so get it right now and and go ahead and if you desire the virtual console games and you don't have them yet now is an excellent time to purchase them i I know that the service is going to be live for like another year and this might seem alarmist it's not going to feel this urgent for another year like this is only new news once and that year is going to go by very quickly when you're not watching it directly Red, blue, yellow, and gold, silver crystal for virtual console are $10 each. 
They are not breaking the bank. If you want them and you don't have them yet, now is literally the time to purchase them. I have a lot of thoughts on the eShop going away. Um, a lot of them very negative. Um, but what about you guys? What do you think about this move from Nintendo to end online distribution for these platforms? It sucks. It really does suck. It always sucks when this happens. But it's something that, honestly, I can't say I didn't think wasn't going to happen at some point. It's kind of Nintendo's MO. They've closed down their Wii Shop, even though that had content on it. Uh, it seems like once they get past a certain point of where things exist, they just take the money-cutting path and just close things down instead of keeping things up. I mean, to me, that makes sense, though. Like, legitimately, nobody has an obligation to uphold storefronts, which have to be updated as somebody who worked in finance. Like, that shit has to constantly be updated, resecured against, like, new, <laughs> new financial threats and additionally, any PCI regulations, which if you work in the credit card industry, you know all about. If you don't, there is a manual the size of a college textbook about everything you have to do to properly secure financial data online. It is a huge pain in the ass and it changes like every three months. So yes, it sucks, but I also understand that there is a ongoing and increasingly high cost to update old systems for new um, new payment requirements. So I'm going to push back on that with a very specific example, because this thing that is happening right now with Nintendo and the Wii U and the 3DS happened with Sony about a year and a half ago, where they announced that they were shutting down their online distribution platforms for the PS Vita and the PS3, which are, if anything, significantly more dead consoles than the 3DS, at least. Not the Wii U. The Wii U was almost dead on delivery, right? It really was. <laughs> but but uh, the 3DS, I think, sat inarguably still has a significantly larger player base than either of those Sony consoles. They were going to shut down their online distribution platforms. They got a lot of pushback from the general public and from like, like the classic games community saying, hey, this is art and media. And while we understand that you are a business, like maintaining access to these games is important. And Sony ultimately agreed. And what they did as a compromise is they stopped accepting payment on those platforms. And they made it to where you could go to their website and you could purchase their currency through the website and then use that in those storefronts on your console so that they weren't having to secure your financial information on those platforms only through their normal web portal where they take transactions anyway and they could just use funny money. It's doable. It's been done and it's been done to great PR. Sure. But businesses have no obligation to do that, is what I'm saying. That is an unnecessary cost. Like, it sucks for us, but that is your incentive to buy physical media. I, as somebody who largely doesn't buy physical media, I'm telling you this, that's why they still sell it. <laughs> but physical media is failing, and newer generations of physical media are significantly less durable than older generations of physical media. Sure. On top of that, we have seen a, a massive, massive speculation market and markup around classic video games that is immediately going to affect 3DS titles as soon as this goes through. Yeah, absolutely. It, it will. We are likely never going to see another re-release on modern consoles of Pokemon Generations 1 or 2 because they feature a game corner, which gives them regulation problems in the EU. 
this is this is a disaster from the perspective of maintaining access to classic games and preserving media. And beyond that, it is exacerbated by the fact that Nintendo is the most fucking aggressive backass words company when it comes to aggressively pursuing piracy of media they no longer offer legitimately. Sure. It's they still have no obligation. It doesn't change the business reality, even if it sucks. And for clarity, I am not disagreeing with you. It absolutely sucks. It does. But I can also understand as somebody who owns a business, two of them, and who has experience in payments, nobody is, I want to say nobody, but there's no obligation to do that. There is a business incentive to drive traffic to new platforms. Like, could they do it? Sure. Would it be nice? Yes. Should it be expected behavior? No. <laughs> well, and and to be clear, when I say that Sony reversed course on this, Sony is a very different company than Nintendo. Yes. Nintendo announced that they were doing this. They will be doing this. They will not cave to public pressure. They never fucking have, not even once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's historical, right? And keep in mind, as consumers, past behavior is the best indicator of future behavior. So especially when you're looking at businesses. So if you've seen this in the past, expect them to do it in the future. Keep your consoles freshly downloaded with everything that you want to have and be prepared to put it in a box somewhere where it will never have online updates again. To me personally, the most terrifying thing about this entire situation is the situation around Pokemon Bank. It's been given a stay of execution, sure. It's not functionality is not going away when the eShop goes away. Again, you'll lose the ability to download it new. So I hope that you have a working 3DS that continues to work forever and has the software. But like ultimately, those servers are not going to stay up forever. And it remains the only way to transfer Pokemon between all of the older generations, seven and below, and Pokemon Home, which you know, not to not not to beat the the Dexit drum, right? But like the the big pushback on Dexit was, hey, yeah, we know it stinks that all your Pokemon can't be in your current console, but they can all live in home. That's the the goal of Pokemon Home is to build a place where all your Pokemon can live until you get the chance to play with them again in a new game that they are compatible with. And when those Pokemon Bank servers go down, that promise turns to ash. And it's not a promise that even most people will ever fully take advantage of. How many people are going to be transferring from Gen 3 to Gen 8 or beyond, from Gen 3 to home? Not very many, but the promise of being able to has been a foundational part of what Pokemon is as a video game franchise since since there were multiple generations. Like, since Gen 2 transferring was a big deal, it was a big deal when it went away in Gen 3, and they've acknowledged that and said, well, we're never making that mistake again. And then they walked that back with Dexit, and now it feels like we're, we're staring down the barrel of another eventual walk back, and it sucks shit. The only way they can mitigate this is if they, if they port every legacy title to switch which maybe they'll fucking do i don't expect them to because i don't expect them to ever put a game with a game corner on the nintendo switch again it's it's a logistical nightmare because of europe but to me personally that is the only way they can make this okay and, and keep the soft promise i guess of the franchise i'm gonna take your word for it because none of that matters to me. <laughs> 
I'm the weirdo on on the show. Like, legitimately, I will play the game through. I will have a good time. I will have my favorites. They will live in there. But there's no way I'm going through all the hassle of the micromanagement of getting them into home and then moving them. No, fuck it. I'll just catch another one. It's fine. Look, and and again, for a lot of players, probably most players, that is true. But like, there are entire communities of people who do cool things like, like doing ribbon challenges where you get every ribbon in Pokemon on a single Pokemon, right? Those things are cool and interesting and fun and only possible because transfer remains possible. It, it, it is a pillar upon which the franchise was built, ultimately. I can see that being fun for someone. I'm... <laughs> Oh my god, I, I can't even imagine how much time it would take. <laughs> Celeste is having a heart attack, are we? <laughs> that, that is so much. Also, I will say, the problem with them doing this is it pushes people to using the devil's software more. Like, you take away the ability to get something or play something, people are going to find a way other way, or another way around it. I am not going to applaud Nintendo's business decisions on how they have handled access to their music or games outside of the uh, initial release. I think that they they are missing a, a market of uh, just a big chunk of money. Yep, which is stupid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're you're not wrong, and I and I suppose it's it's important to note. That there is an ongoing discussion about digital media in general and about censorship uh, and making certain products disappear. Products, films, books, anything that only exists in a digital space, uh, which can be removed from marketplaces, which is not a good thing overall, business decisions or whatever else. But that applies here, too. Yeah. I'm I'm very angry. I can tell you're very angry. This just sucks a lot. Again... If you care about these games, if you enjoyed playing them, if you want to maintain access to them, I do. It is a foundational, like, cornerstone of this show that old Pokemon games are still fun and worth playing. Like, that's that's the thing, right? Now's a great time to buy them if you don't have them already, either in physical media or in digital format. Because as soon as they stop being available digital, the prices of the physical media is going to skyrocket. I don't think it'll be that many years before Omega Ruby has pricing similar to what we're seeing with games like like platinum and heart gold soul silver right now as soon as it stops being available it's it's going to happen maybe not as soon as it stops being available but but soon enough and and regardless like like these games are still worth playing hopefully we get better solutions um again we have not seen the pokemon day announcement yet it is possible that all of my Pokemon specific concerns are about to be addressed. It is it is possible that Junichi Masuda is going to walk out with a big shit eating grin and say, we're releasing every Pokemon game on Switch for $20 because we love you guys. Also, I'm going to come to each of your house and give you a big hug and a sweet little kiss and give you your national decks. It's it's not that's not going to happen, but it's possible. I cannot discount the possibility. I love that we're recording this like. Two days before Pokemon Day, because inevitably what is going to happen is the people who are listening to this are already yelling in their cars at us about how much of a load of bullshit Pokemon Day was, because that's the way the Pokemon fandom works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are people are already mad about a Gen 9 announcement that hasn't happened yet. I, I, I fandom was a mistake, actually. <laughs> <laughs> What I, what I genuinely hope for, what I would genuinely like to see is some offline transfer solution 
for 3DS to home. You make it work over local Wi-Fi, right? Like, like just something that does not connect to any external servers so that it will potentially continue to work forever, I think is really reasonable at this point. Or ideally, even better yet, bypass home entirely, direct from 3DS to like Sword and Shield, so that if home goes down, it continues to work. Give us a solution. Don't make us go to the people who hack Pokemon games to figure out how to transfer our Pokemon. That's shitty. Please? Please, Papa Masuda, don't let me down. But that's how they find those people and put them in Poke Prison. (laughs) (laughs) Game Freak's going to announce introducing your PC. It's a box where you plug in your Pokemon games to transfer all your Pokemon. On sale now for $900. The hackers are already getting, like, way too sassy. Like, the guy who makes PK Hex called a bunch of VGC players out on Twitter for using hacked Pokemon in the software that he made. And it's like, dude, (laughs) dude, (laughs) of all the people, like, pot, meat, kettle, my dude, like, the blackest possible pot, you are the hack master. What the fuck are you talking about? Drawing an arbitrary ass line of not in my Christian VGC. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, not in my Christian VGC. We have a new title. We've had several, <laughs> several contenders so far this episode. All right. Well, that is our Pokemon news for today. Now, before we get into the meat of the episode, I also have some BBR news. We have some some programming changes to announce. So this isn't the first time you've heard me say this, and it won't be the last. It won't be the last time you hear us say some variant of this in this episode, most likely. But we're always looking at the content we create and the ways that we create it and, and thinking about it and turning it over in our heads and trying to find the best way to manipulate the Rubik's Cube that is Blastburn Radio into a form that gives you the funny ha-has and doesn't make us want to kill ourselves to make, which is the thing, right? That's the thing that we want to do. And as such, and as you may have noticed, if you're really paying attention and you're like, hey, some things don't add up about this season already, we're going to do things a little bit differently this time from last season. First, and probably the biggest from from your perspective as a consumer of our content, we experimented with doing pre-recorded, edited content for YouTube last season. Um, We're not doing that this season. We are returning to live streaming our gameplay. For for a lot of reasons, not the least of which being that live streaming just feels really special. It, it's a different way to deliver that content. It's a different way to engage with our community and our, our listeners and our viewers. And, and ultimately, we're just not really happy with leaving it behind. The flip side of that, however, is that this does mean that we are back to producing content without a meaningful content buffer. So just be aware of this if we wind up missing a few episodes here or there because life happens and we did not pre-record and edit them. So we are renewing the commitment to upload our stream VODs to YouTube for our audience who can't commit to showing up just when we happen to be streaming. So there will still be content at the Blastburn Radio YouTube page if that is where you have grown comfy with consuming the things that we put out. But if you missed sitting down and shooting the shit with us while we grind against an untold number of Poochianas, then rejoice for we have we have returned. Beyond that... Our podcast episodes, they are long, long time. Um, Specifically, last season, they just inevitably crept longer, particularly because we were doing PvP on on Cartridge and not on Showdown. And, and Showdown, like, removes a lot of the lag time from, like, watching the animations go off. 
And doing PvP on cart is like really fun. Like we really like doing that. We don't want to rush through the podcast to make room for that or go back to showdown to make it go faster. So we've come to a compromise. Um, we are going to actually, for the first time in several years, we're going to be returning to a weekly release schedule for BBR through the Nuzlocke season. And we will be splitting what has historically been an episode of Blastburn Radio into two episodes of Blastburn Radio. So in one week, you will get our, our Poke News and our Nuzlocke recaps. And in the following week, you will get PvP. Now, as an additional, like, sweet, sweet little bonus, we will be live streaming that PvP recording on Twitch. And we'll be trying to keep you updated here on the show on when you can expect to find us, like, all live together on Twitch. Because we know that's really cool and exciting for our listeners. But again, plans change. So I would definitely make sure, if you are not already, to join the Blastburn Radio Discord channel and keep an eye on our Twitter for those, like, go-live announcements. Because they, plans are going to change on that front. And I want to be very upfront about that. Lastly, we promised very recently that we were going to start producing new content for Patreon, and we're producing new content for Patreon. Um, specifically, we are launching a new, very loose format, patron-exclusive podcast, uh, currently untitled. Maybe it will remain untitled, actually. Like, fuck it. This is our, our sit-down-and-bullshit show, so maybe it's just not going to have a title. Maybe it's just going to be the show, <laughs> and that's fine. But this is going to be a show where you can hear us just shoot the shit. Uh, it's going to be like very loose format. We'll talk about ourselves, our lives, uh, production of Blastburn Radio, the media that we've been consuming and thinking entirely too deeply about. Annabeth talking about the principles of business as I get myself into a frothy socialist rage about the entire thing. <laughs> Random interesting Wikipedia articles, basically everything that you enjoy hearing from us that is not directly Pokemon. We'll have 45 minute to an hour episodes of this show, and it'll be like some combination of myself, Annabeth, Celeste, Pat, maybe a few of our other friends occasionally uh, in any given episode. So we'll just be hanging out, shooting the shit. Uh, and these episodes will be available to all of our patrons at the $5 tier. They're going to release monthly through the BBR Nuzlocke season and then bi-weekly in the off season. And as a special one-time bonus, and to give you all that little that little taste uh, of what you're missing out on if you are not currently a patron. Uh, we'll be releasing the first episode in this series here in the main feed for everyone next week. But as an extra special thank you to our patrons, an additional patron exclusive episode will drop shortly after. So that's not our one episode for this month. We talked a lot about how we wanted to ramp up our Patreon rewards. We kicked a lot of different ideas around, but ultimately we decided that the best reward we could offer you was more of the content that you actually come to us for. And we really hope that you enjoy this particular brand of bullshit that we are calling a show. Yeah, the the Stephen and Anna throw hands show. <laughs> <laughs> because it seems like on any particular topic, we will live on opposite sides of it. <laughs> Look, there are two types of people, and we're them. They're us. <laughs> but yeah, that that is that is the long and short of everything. I know that that was a lot of dense information, and I apologize. We have a lot of stuff to get through tonight, and we just kind of wanted to make sure that everybody knew what they could expect from us. So yeah, we will be back live streaming gameplay very, very soon on Twitch. But before we can start playing, we do need to talk 
a little bit about the games that we'll be playing as the Blastburn Radio Nuzlocke World Tour is moving on from the Kalos region and it's assorted terrorist tech billionaires and himbo professors <laughs> and back into the familiar 7.8 out of 10 too much waters of the Hoenn region. Now, Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire continued the sixth generation of Pokemon only one year after the release of X and Y, marking the third consecutive yearly fall release in the West. And this is the point, really, at which a yearly holiday Pokemon release became expected. It became the status quo, something that is mostly carried forward as true to today. These titles were first announced on May 7th, 2014, and released worldwide on November 21st, 2014. Except in Europe, because Papa Masuda hates Europe. <laughs> and in Europe, they released a whole week later on November 28th. Now, Oras were games that were released into a lot of expectation. This is only four years after the release of Heart Gold and Soul Silver, which are beloved remakes held up by at least portions of the fandom as the perfect Pokemon games. I would push back on that, but it's a, it's a commonly held opinion, right? In addition, their release comes 11 years after the release of Ruby and Sapphire, long enough that many children for whom Hoenn was their first Pokemon region ever were now active and vocal members of the community, including several members of our Blastburn Radio community. I know that was true of our friend Jerry and also of my little brother Jacob, who played Emerald first. Hashtag Hoenn confirmed became a talking point and meme as early as 2012 with the release of Black and White 2. Um, the community was voracious for the release of Hoenn remakes. Uh, and it is safe to say that these remakes in particular came with a lot of baggage and community expectation before even their announcement. Now, ironically, critical reception of Oras was mixed, at least by the high standards of the franchise. Famitsu scored the game's 37 out of 40, which is two points lower than the near-perfect score of X and Y, though notably three points higher than the original Ruby and Sapphire merited. Uh, Omega Ruby scored 83% on Metacritic, with Alpha Sapphire confusingly scoring 82. They do know that they're basically the same game, right? Listen, Archie is is worth dropping that down just a little bit. Archie is so much better than Maxie because they're both dumb as shit, but Archie knows it. <laughs> oh, God. Why are we arguing over the two dumb and dumbers? Finally, creating maybe the best known meme, single meme of the Pokemon community, IGN scored Pokemon Oras 7.8 out of 10, citing, quote, too much water and also too many HMs as a chief complaint, which honestly, genuinely is a fair criticism of Hoenn, but one that has been mocked mercilessly by the fan base ever since. I mean, too much water is, is absolutely valid. Too many HMs always feels like it's undersold after you've played diamond and pearl mood fucking mood and a half jesus christ diamond and pearls what they made doodoos for though <laughs> now pokemon omega ruby and alpha sapphire were commercially successful as well selling 9.94 million units worldwide in the year of release and 14.46 million units to date 
now now again these are far from record-breaking numbers for the franchise but remakes always historically sell poorly in comparison to new titles and when viewed through that lens oras are the highest grossing remakes to date uh which is quite the accomplishment uh, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire take a different approach to remaking classic Pokemon games than Heart Gold Soul Silver or Fire Red Leaf Green, truly bringing the Hoenn region into the sixth generation of Pokemon fully. Uh, this is accomplished through the modernization of mechanics, including reusable TMs and the addition of the fairy type, as well as methods of evolution not available in the base game of Ruby and Sapphire. Thank you, Papa Masuda. It only took you three tries at remaking a fucking Pokemon game before you decided to give us all of the fucking evolutions. Uh, they also include an expanded available Pokedex, though admittedly not until near the end of the story. They still get legitimate credit for making new Pokemon available like during gameplay and not strictly locking them to postgame. And the core gimmick of Generation 6, Mega Evolution, is here in force. Pokemon Oras features the addition of 20 new Mega Pokemon, and in my personal opinion, these include some of the best designed and most deserved Megas in the franchise. Uh, the Megas introduced in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire include all-time greats like Mega Beedrill, Pidgeot, Steelix, Lopunny, Gallade, and Sableye. Yes, very good. That is an all-star cast of Megas. That is an all-star cast of Megas. Uh, now, for better or worse, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, as remakes, are bold and ambitious, taking risks and making changes that prior series remakes were unwilling to consider. Major characters got redesigns, entire areas were reimagined and recontextualized within the world, and an entirely original story was added in the postgame. I will not spoil the content of the Delta episode here uh, whatsoever, but I will say that it absolutely recontextualized the lens through which we view the Pokemon world and its continuity. So yeah, big, big, bold shoes uh, that Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire stepped into about, what, seven, eight years ago? Time, time is an illusion, honestly. Numbers aren't real. But, <laughs> but anyways, as always, uh, let's talk about our personal experiences and preconceptions with these titles. Celeste, let's start with you, because if I remember correctly, at least this game was uh, uh, this was a game that released prior to you, like really digging your teeth back into to Pokemon and, and kind of joining fandom. Have you ever actually played Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire? What do you think about this entry? I haven't. I haven't touched it. I, I've meant to over the past couple of years. I just haven't given it time yet. So this will be my first time playing through Hoenn on the DS. Nice. Well, I, I know that you actually like were reasonably fond of the Hoenn region our first time through. Like if I remember correctly, like up until the late game where I really turned around on Emerald, I think you were like the most complimentary of us towards the Gen 3 experience. H how, how do you feel about being back in, in the land of, of entirely too much brass and water? Honestly, Brass and water don't bother me too much. I mean, I'm the queen of water and burbs, and Owen certainly has a lot of those. Yeah, I'm. I like the starters. I like. There's a lot of water, but I like the setting. Otherwise, I, I mean, I, what else can I say? There is a lot of water. There, there is. Like I've thought about this a lot, and I really think like. I understand why Owen is the way it is, based on the real world location that it's based on with the way that Pokemon games naturally tend to flow. I still think that if they had just made Surf the second or third HM, 
and spread the water throughout the region instead of making it the entire back nine, it would not have been nearly as frustrating. I agree with that. Or if they would just made some more bridges, one or the other. I mean, in fairness, there's an entire town that's literally nothing but bridges. (laughs) This is true. This is true. That entire city is just, what if we had a town that was a, like, K through six playground? (laughs) It's like, hey, you you remember the city on the lake from The Hobbit? What if we built that but shitty? (laughs) What, What about you, Annabeth? What are your thoughts about Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire? I don't have a ton of thoughts. So, like, my... My Pokemon exposure was Gen 1, Gen 2, dip my toe into Gen 3, but not do a ton of it. Come back for Gen 4, skip Gen 5, play XY, skip Oras, and then we started this project and it's Sun and Moon on. I've been pretty involved. So this will be my my first full run through Oras. I've seen a bunch of it just because people streaming and things like that. But I'm not a fan of Hoenn. I don't like it. I don't like a lot of the Pokemon from this region. I'm not looking forward to it. But I did have a really good season in season three. So looking back, I, I think on that pretty fondly, actually. Yeah, I actually, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a lot of hate for Gen 3. A lot of people hate on it. I just don't. When I think of my last trip through Hoenn, I think about the, the fucking dark dog that wouldn't quit that was good into like week six when it should not have been. Cerberus was such a good Pokemon. Good That's a good dog. My puppy got killed by a by acorn. Yeah, you gotta watch out for those. It happened close to the freaking Maryland raid then, too. Frick. I started out very negative on Gen 3, but I it, it turned around for me. And I've spent a lot of time in Gen 3 games over the last couple of years, and the more time I spend playing them, like the more I become genuinely fond of them. Emerald is one of my like top favorite Pokemon games at this point. It's like... My top like three or four is a nebulously shifting land of Gen 5, Gen 7, and Emerald at this point. I like Hoenn a lot. I like the Hoenn Pokedex a lot. It has thoroughly eclipsed Sinnoh for me at this point. BDSP did not help that particular case. Uh, I am sorry to say. Platinum is still great. I don't think it's as good as Emerald. There's something very special about this region, this cast of, of characters and monsters and and bullshit uh and i love it a lot i'm really excited i i have played oras i've played oras pretty thoroughly oras is the first pokemon game that like i picked up at release and played heavily as an adult again i re-entered the, the franchise with black and white but i was still very much like a casual series fan at that point like oras i played the shit out of but i was pretty thoroughly disappointed with it overall there were things i liked a lot about it mechanically but i i I despised the fact that they got rid of character customization immediately after playing x and y and in general like i was just really frustrated with the overall experience compared to the experience of being in kalos and so i spent a lot more time in gen 6 in x and y than i did in oras even though oras was the shiny new game Sorry, that that's just true. Even though there are things that I do think that Oras did better than X and Y. That being said, I've given a lot of thought. I've been very critical of remakes, like like uh, carte blanche across the board. 
And I think that a lot of the things that I didn't like about Oras in my first brush that I was just like, ah, fuck Hoenn, fuck this game, why am I doing this, was less fuck this game in particular and more really disliking remakes, right? Because I hadn't played Fire Red Leaf Green since I was a kid, and I still had nostalgia goggles for it, and I never played Heart Gold Soul Silver. So Oras was like my first real, like, rose-tinted goggles off attempt at a remake. But every time I sit down and, like, try to talk about or think about, like, what do I want from a remake? What do I want a remake to be? It's, I want it to tell an original story. I want it to take bold swings and be willing to change things and reimagine things and not just give me a dubiously upscaled version of the original experience. And that's Oras, baby. Like, that is by far and away the most transformative and bold remake that we've gotten to date. So I am really, really, really looking forward to revisiting it with the broader, I guess, the broader palette for these games that I've developed over the last several years and and see how it lands now. I'm really excited for it. After all the fashion that was released in XY, Oris is a game that dares to ask the question, what if you were just Brendan? <laughs> I will say, in defense of the developers, I'm sure they were making Oras like consecutively with XY, and they pro- th- I'm sure that they were just like, oh well, yeah, XY gave the gave them some clothes. Who nobody's going to care about the clothes, and then they were like, oh god, they care about the clothes so much, we fucked up. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the last new game to not offer literally any customization options. Like they're limited in like Let's Go and BDSP, but they still exist. Like clearly, they recognize that they fucked up here fashion is the real end game fashion is the real end game now celeste for for those of our audience who remember our third season was your first experience with Hoenn. period uh and you took a mudkip in that playthrough and we're mostly unimpressed with that derpy mudfish at the time despite annabeth and i hating it to the core of our being because it was so frustrating to square off against has time and distance softened your heart? How do you feel about your boy Gustav now that you have some distance from that series? And how do you feel about this starter trio as a whole? Do the new megas for them change any of those opinions? So I think I was probably a little grumpy at the end of the series and how it all turned out. And so I was grumpy at my starter and that wasn't fair to... So it was a regular series. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't fair to Mudkip or Gustav. Mudkip is a derpy, derpy fish, and I love it so much. I love its design, and honestly, looking back, I don't even know why I thought it was weak, or I don't even know what I said back then, or disappointed in it, because fucking Mudkip is probably the best out of the three starters in terms of competitiveness. Oh, unquestionably. Like... Yeah. It's really great for gameplay. It's really great for PvP. It's got a great typing. At Megas, it's ridiculous. The worst thing that you can say about Mudkip, the Mudkip line is is Marshtomp. And, and, and 3D Marshtomp specifically, because in 2D, Dude, it's so bad. In 2D oh, it's he's so just bad. like, I'm a goofy boy, and it's okay. And then in 3D, he's just like, kill me, I'm an abomination. <laughs> and I want to. I Please let me put him out of his misery. I have one in... Um, in my diamond file for BDSP, and he just got his hands over by his side, just shuffling along. I'm like, man, you you could have such big personality. I feel like with a name like Marshtop, you love to play in the mud and jump around, and you look like you hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was I was probably too harsh. I really love. I honestly love all three of the starter line from this. Yeah, this this is a good starter trio for sure. Like it's the start of the firefighting trio. 
but it was the original firefighting. And so it made it, it, it's probably the best out of them all because of that. Well, and I mean, if you look at it objectively, like a lot of games start with a rock gym. And so from that perspective, giving your fire starter a rock secondary typing at its second stage makes a lot of sense because if you have a, a kid who is struggling and can't make it through that hard wall, they can just level up a little bit and suddenly it's not quite so daunting. It makes sense thematically. It's good typing and it works for the way they tend to build these games. So I understand three in a row was still a lot, but, but yes. Um, speaking of the, the firefighting chicken, that was, of course, Annabeth's starter in our, our Gen 3 series. Anna, how do you feel about the Torchic line and about the Gen 3 starters as a whole in this, the year of our Lord 2022? I still like two or three of them. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas tree can go to hell, but the the other two are fantastic. I love Torchic. I love Mudkip. <laughs> Despite the troublesome design philosophy surrounding Torchic uh, and his second form, Combuskin's physical appearance. But Blaziken is fantastic. And Mega Blaziken is amazing. Chicken go burr. <laughs> Very fast, kicky friend. Which... Honestly, Ares had that pro like up at what's up attack uh, down speed. Is that brave? Brave. Yeah, he Ares was sassy. Yeah, he was yeah, that sounds right. It was not a good time. It was not the bestest. But I still think I took him all the way to the end. Uh so I'm 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 still digging digging Torchic. It's it's great. Well, I, I have to say, I, I do really like this trio. More, I think, now than when we first played Gen 3. This is like for for me, like the 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 almost perfect starter trios are Gen 1, Gen 3, Gen 7. Just Chef's Kiss, beautiful from the top down. I have become really fond of Trico because I keep using it because it's so hard to use Trico in Emerald. Uh, and I crave that sweet, sweet violence. But but also like it's it's a really cool Pokemon. I was always initially let down by by Sceptile a little bit, and, and I'm not going to lie, I still am a little bit. I don't think that he is like a really natural evolution of Trico and Grovile. Like he just gets fat and grows a tree out of his ass, <laughs> which is fine, I guess. But it's not like it's not the direction that line was going. I actually really like Mega Sceptile a lot. I think that it fixes a lot of what was wrong with that Mon for me. Yes, it gives it a massive Christmas tree bazooka on its ass, but that works because it sleeks him out. Like it makes him look like a natural evolution of Grovile. And, and I really appreciate that. Grovile, for my money, is maybe the best second stage starter, period. Yeah, they perfected it. And then they went, well, fuck, where do we go from here? Yeah, like like Grovile Duot, like like top tier middle stage for sure. But yeah, I, I like I like them all. I think I think all three of these are genuinely excellent. Annabeth, you better respect the hot cock. Like like I, there will be no combustion disrespect in this house. But yeah, I, I do think that genuinely Trico is is now my favorite was not when we started, but has grown on me a, a whole, whole lot. Now, now, lastly, guys, obviously, Oras's remakes did not exactly break records in terms of the, the number of new Pokemon that they introduced, but it did introduce that big batch of Megas, uh, including some perennial favorites in terms of both design and their elevation of previously bad Pokemon, which is something that many see as like the truest function of what Megas are, or at least should be. Uh, what do you guys think? Who was your favorite new Mega added in Oras? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious for me, right? Like I, I play walls and 
Megan Sableye is amazing. My girl Paradot is amazing. It is it is so disrespectful that Mega Sableye got banned from Gen 6 OU the day, the day before Sun and Moon came out. Made me very sad. <laughs> it makes sense. For the record, the reason they banned it the day before Sun and Moon came out is because they knew that that meta would not get a ton of development past that. And they were just like, this is just going to make anyone revisiting it miserable. We should We should just get rid of it. It's no one is going to come up with new ways to beat it because there are not enough people playing it, which makes sense, like, like genuinely. But yeah, also the disrespect they put on, uh, they put on Sableye. I genuinely like all the Megas that were added as part of this. Like Mega Beedrill's also really fucking good. I used one in draft and it gets amazing. A me- Mega Beedrill is, in my opinion, the perfect Mega. It is everything that a Mega should be. It is, it is awesome. It is bug. <laughs> like the bugs i like them i like them it is bug it is awesome it is a pokemon that is genuinely worthless without its mega like Beedrill is like bottom of garbage tier like the worst of the worst recently we had someone in our draft league draft a riados and we had to like stop and look at it and be like huh what 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 do you do with a riados we looked at it we're like okay there are actually like especially in a doubles format it's slow it's reasonably offensive it gets a couple of cool moves like yeah okay a riados has a use Beedrill, no. No such niche cases. No such use. This is a b- capital B bad Pokemon. You give it a Mega and you pump every ounce of its stats into attack and speed and leave it maybe the frailest glass cannon imaginable and you have a great fucking Pokemon on your hands. Absolutely chef's kiss. This is what Megas should have always been. Fuck Charizard and fuck Mewtwo for getting two each. They didn't need that shit. Beedrill needed this shit, and I'm so glad that he got it. On the flip side of that, though, yo, Mega Rayquaza. Like, did not need it. One of the most broken Pokemon of all time uh, until your boy Sword Doze showed up and said, yo, hold my beer. But just maybe the coolest thing that Pokemon has ever made. <laughs> I honestly can't say anything bad about any of the Megas from or ass from what I'm looking at either. And honestly, Mega Pidget is really awesome. I love Mega Pidget. Mega Pidgeot's really good. And again, it's another Mon that was so clearly outclassed by later, like normal flying early route birds that were introduced, like Talonflame, obviously in Gen 6, but like even Staraptor, right? And Swellow, mm. to, to a large degree, outclassed Pidgeot. And so reimagining it fully reimagining it as a heavy hitting special attacker which is not something pidgeot has ever been giving it a a, like a unique and valuable niche and maybe the most understated mega design like period but one that still fits and feels really rad yeah mega pidgeot is a winner for sure Mm -hmm. they're good guys they're all genuinely good I used both Megalopony and Mega Gallade in our first draft season. I used both of them, and they were both genuinely excellent in different ways. I love fighting types, and we feasted here. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a good batch. Mega Steelix looks rad as hell. It sucks that he's so much worse than Mega Aggron. <laughs> it, it is sad, because Mega Steelix is a really cool design. All right, so... As always, guys, we do want to take a moment to touch on the cool new mechanical things that Oras brings to the table to update the games. But as you may have picked up from context, if you've listened to previous intro episodes, uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire are remakes. And as is now par for the course, they don't introduce 
much of anything new mechanically, at least not that leaves a lasting impact on the series. That said, they do introduce a few mechanics that, while they exist pretty much exclusively within the confines of these titles, they're still interesting and they deserve recognition. Now, contests. Our favorite, your favorite mine, contests, uh, return to the series in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, and they are expanded on from their previous iterations in Gen 3 and 4 with deeper mechanics, a new contest-specific storyline, a new contest-centric Pokemon in Cosplay Pikachu. And guys, Cosplay Pikachu is such a small thing, but can I just take a moment to appreciate how cool this Pokemon is? Uh, if you're not familiar, Cosplay Pikachu is a female gift Pikachu you are given who is wearing a costume that you can change at will in the contest hall, and each different costume that Cosplay Pikachu wears gives it access to a different, unique move that Pikachu cannot normally learn. Uh, just off the top of my head, Pikachu can dress up as a fucking Lucha Libre, and it gets flying press Hollywood's exclusive move while in that costume and i don't know why you would ever dress it up as anything else because that's just fantastic i love cosplay pikachu and so should you oras also introduced a unique and special reward for mastering all contests uh, any pokemon who attains a master rank in all five different types of contests is given a special ribbon called the contest star ribbon uh, now pokemon with this ribbon are given a unique flare upon being sent into battle almost like a shiny animation uh, with a sparkle above their heads and a floating ribbon as they're released from their pokeball marking them as special and a true contest champion which, again, this is one of those cosmetic things that means literally nothing to people who don't care and don't want to pursue it, but, like, is genuinely rewarding to someone who goes all in, which is the best type of reward for this type of optional side content. Now, continuing the trend of old features that Oras goes all in on improving, Secret Bases got a facelift in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire and became super secret bases. In contrast to BDSP, bringing back secret bases in the underground and being like, this is where you shove your fucking trophies. <laughs> Super secret bases got tons of new customization options and decorations. And even besides that, this feature is most noticeable for the increase in connectivity and multiplayer options that it provides. Um, you can share your super secret base with others by QR code and by street pass locally. And interacting with the super secret bases of others can yield a variety of tangible in-game rewards. You can recruit friends to join you in your super secret base to provide like a variety of benefits, such as massaging your Pokemon or providing specific items. Um, you can capture the flags of other players to level up your own base. You can battle teams left behind by your friends as they function as a pseudo gym leader of their own gym base. And you can prepare teams for your friends to battle as well. It is really difficult to overstate for anyone who wasn't playing these games in 2014. 2015 when they were new exactly what an important online feature secret bases were at the time whether for optimal speed leveling blissey bases were ubiquitous in that people would make bases where their entire team was level 100 blissies that knew no attacking moves and healing wish so they would just come out and die to give you exp and it was legitimately the fastest way to speed level a team for, for anything. They were also just great for uh, appreciating the creativity and design skills of the community in a low rent animal crossing knockoff type situation. Super secret bases were absolutely central 
to the way these games were played online in the mid-20-teens. Now, ORAS also improved on the beloved bottom screen functionality of X, X and Y's PSS and combined it with Hoenn's own PokéNav to create the PokéNav Plus, which includes all of the super training, Pokémon Ami, and online functionality that we know and love from X and Y, but is expanded to include the rematch and map functionality of the PokéNav and new functionality to track berries and super secret bases and interact with a new sneaking mechanic, which allows you to chain encounters to gain rare encounters with Pokemon, hidden abilities, egg moves, and improved shiny odds. This is seen by much of the fandom to be literally the best that bottom screen functionality has ever been. And this is the standard by which modern Rotom-based interface gadgets are maligned and mocked up to the current day. Lastly, and unlike the rest of this list, truly new and not simply a revamp, Oras introduced Soaring, a new mechanic for the late game and post game of Oras, by which players can use the new Eon Flute key item to call their Megalodios or Latias and fly around the region on its back like they're living in the never-ending story and they have a motherfucking Falcor. This is a seemingly small addition with huge implications for the game and the way it's played and the way the player experiences and feels immersed in the world. From encountering random bird Pokemon flying high above the region to finding rare encounters on a variety of Mirage Islands, hunting legendaries from other regions through the dimensional breaking rings of Hoopa, soaring on Megalodi is a new dimension that feels new while also being tied to what came before it with the connection to the Lotties and the Mirage Islands introduced in Emerald, making this a thing that is definitively grounded in the Hoenn region. It's also just really fun, which in my personal opinion is probably the greatest endorsement of all. Now, now mechanically, not, not all is praise. There is notice, notable pushback on these games for the fact that they lack both the Battle Frontier and Gym Leader rematches, which were standard in Emerald and so feel like cut content here, genuinely, especially when you consider that Heart Gold Soul Silver had both. But with that being said, Oras, as has become clear by this point in the episode, is generally a mixed bag, and there is good in that bag along with the disappointing. That That is Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. That is the journey that we are about to embark on. Uh, but as always, we are embarking on that journey together and we are doing so competitively. So we do want to talk about the rules. The rules. And the rule set and the challenge. And so I will turn the microphone over to our rule master general, Annabeth herself, to explain what is different this time around. So it shouldn't come to... Uh, the surprise of, of anybody who's been with the show for a long time, but maybe you're new here. Every single season that we do uh, at the end, we sit down and we take a look at our rule set and we tinker. It's how we've done every season of this show uh, from the beginning. And legitimately, every single season, it gets better because we figure out what works and what doesn't. So without further ado, let's review what the, the big... The, the basic rules look like for us. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the champion rule, which Celeste set uh, and any specific rules that are unique to uh, ORAS, which I'll probably turn back over to Steven just because he's played these games. I want to make sure I don't miss anything. So 
Standard Nuzlocke rules apply, obviously. First encounter, permadeath, nicknames, all that good jazz. Uh, we do continue to have our point system with built-in catch-up points when you're playing from behind uh, with our hard mode gyms. For definition, for anyone who maybe is just joining us, hard mode gym, no super effective moves. It is a very hard, very, very bad time sometimes, uh, but sometimes you need them good points. We obviously have our dupes claws up to uh, five attempts there. Shiny claws, our fateful shiny claws. If you find a shiny, not only should you catch it and you can catch it, but you must catch it and you must use it. This is kind of been something that's unique to us, I think, throughout uh, our series. And it has resulted in no amounts of, of fun and, and absolute chaos. Uh, so we're happy to bring that along for the ride. As always, there is no healing in battle. Uh, we are doing our PvP as show eight, bring six, uh, so that we can build for our two opponents and bring some uh, level of surprise. We are doing four doubles PvP episodes, two, five, eight, and TBD. Yeah, uh, TBD. There will be a fourth doubles as always, our finale rules apply. There is a level limit before the gauntlet. You bring what survives to PvP, uh, along with any items they had on the way in. Gym gauntlet is still here, which means once you go in, you're stuck in there until you clear all the trainers in the gym. It's do or die. Our Hall of Fame clause still exists this season. We introduced this recently, but it worked out pretty well for us, which is no reuse of our Hall of Fame mon, which are our like ending teams that were and and or MVPs, uh, which we brought in previous seasons. This is detailed on the website. There is a document linked in Discord. There is a notable exception here for how did we put this? Uh, unretire the jersey. So as we're going back to Hoenn, Pokemon that were on our ending teams in Hoenn, if we catch them, can be renamed the same thing from season three and they can join the team which is great news for me because i had a great great team in uh in season three yeah this is michael jordan coming out of retirement again and hopefully not for the washington wizards yes very much so <laughs> which it's interesting this little clause is something that is only pertinent when we're playing remakes really uh or in in sequels so it's really really cool uh we're happy to be able to experiment a little bit with it this time around so we'll see how that goes no research research ban except for the elite four uh, and maxi archie we like to keep things hard but we also see the value in making sure that people can plan for the elite four so we can have an exciting conclusion this rule set most of it we've carried it with us for a couple seasons now it, it really works well overall and we're very happy with where we've gotten over the course of eight seasons that said Every season we do mix it up with a champion rule from our winner, which this past season was Celeste for the first time. I'm skipping over the egg box rule. We are carrying that forward from last season, by the way. The eggs are coming back. You all know this. We've been asking you for eggs for weeks. We are making a couple changes, as we always do with champion rules that get carried over. Uh, namely, we are splitting the eggs into early game eggs and late game eggs. Our admins are doing that for us, so we don't know what's in what. Uh, this is to avoid week one skarmories, which, if you followed last season, was literally impossible for us to break for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. This should prevent that. The IVs and natures are randomized to make them slightly less centralizing uh, when we get them, uh, and there will be no repeat eggs to ensure diversity. It is important to note as well that we have a, a mega ban, like a perma ban on Gyarados and Crobat. They're everywhere. They're really good. And we've all used them to uh, abusive effect. So they will not 
They will. They're. They're certainly not appearing in this film. Uh, Gengar will probably join them once Celeste has had a chance to uh, take a spooky friend all the way to the end, if that should happen. But these three Pokemon are highly centralizing after so much use, and we are pretty comfortable with saying, let's learn to play with better things, or at least different things. And, and like, I do want to point out, before somebody inevitably, like, comes at me, because I know that there are, like, other content creators who are like, I will never use a Salamence, or I will never use a Blissey, because these Pokemon are too good. Those Pokemon are also rare, and we're big believers that like RNG is a factor in Pokemon games. And if you luck into a really rare encounter, that's really good, then you should be rewarded with getting to use that really good thing. What separates these three Pokemon in particular is that they're not rare at all. Like in most games, you can just get one pretty much for free and we've all done it and we're done doing it. <laughs> Steven, I'm going to hand things over to you for the Aura specific rules. And then we'll actually let Celeste uh, talk about her champion rule. I got way ahead of myself. There are so many rule notes. This time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. And I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to try to be as brief as I can. Um, just as a quick note, this is still a Gen 6 game. So some of the things that were specific to X and Y are still true for Oras. We are still allowing EV training by hordes. You can still get a sweet scent um, mule, if you will, specifically for horde EV training. Uh, you can also EV train by super training and not actually do any encounters through that. It's a generational feature. We don't want to ban it. We are not using O powers or a me, which are also generational mechanics, but take away from the Nuzlocke. So we're just not doing it. Ubers are banned, which in this series in particular for Oras uh, includes things like Mega Sableye and Mega Salamence. And those aren't the only ones, but they're the ones that immediately come to mind that are like notable Hoenn Pokemon. Mega Mawile is another one. Notable Hoenn Pokemon would love to have it. It's an Uber. It's banned. Last season, we declared that one of our gaggle of Chucklefuck rivals was the rival for purpose of rival battles. There are two rivals in Hoenn. They're both your rival. Just in case you're tracking our points along at home, just so you know, rival points will be awarded for both Brendan or May and for Wally. Sky battles do not return in Oras, and, and thus we will not be doing them for points. And Mega Evolution is again allowed, and, and notably, Mega Stone availability in gameplay in Oras is much, much better than in X and Y. Chef's kiss. Thank you so much, Papa Masuda. Uh, and that means that there is a legitimate chance that we'll be able to hunt down a Megastone for a Pokemon we encounter in the Nuzlocke and be able to use it in gameplay, which is cool and good and something they should have done in X and Y. Notably, Mega Blaziken is technically an Uber, but it's also one of our starters. And it felt like it was going to be shitty to say, hey, whoever takes Torchic, you don't get a Mega Starter, fuck off. So we are compromising in that Mega Blaziken can be used. If you're not familiar, Mega Blaziken is an Uber specifically because of the speed boost ability, which makes it like nigh uncatchable once it gets a couple of boosts rolling. And the meta is generally to run it with Protect so you can get a free turn of speed boost when it first comes out. Uh, we are banning the use of Protect on Mega Blaziken to make it a little bit more manageable, a little bit more reasonable to revenge kill. If whoever takes the Torchic line would like to run Protect on their Blaziken, for instance, because we're running Doubles PvP and they're like, hey, Doubles, I want Protect, they can do so, but they can't be Mega Evolved and use Protect. That's illegal. That's a party foul. You lose your match. Oh, Pidgey Claws is in effect in this game. It is a modern Pokemon game. Your first encounter is scripted. In Oras, it's actually a Poochiana. Uh, and we'll ignore that and we'll take the second encounter because we want our encounters to be random. 
And as with our Gen 3 Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald series, our starter will be considered our New Park Town encounter and not our Route 101 encounter. 111, 101, the route that you that they think you get it on where the, the Zigzagoon is trying to get the professor by his boxers. Not there. In the town. Uh, you nickname him there, that's where you get him. There's a static Kecleon on Route 120. If you don't want it, say you don't want it before you fight it. That's totally fine. We are not using sneaking and Pokenav Plus, but specifically sneaking. We're not using that to manipulate random encounters. That feels bad. That feels against the spirit of the Nuzlocke. We're not going to do it. There is a gift Lottie given to you in these games, and we don't use legendaries in our series, and that is going to hold true here. But notably, we're going to keep the Lottie and bank it, specifically because soaring is available in the late game, and you have to have a Lottie to soar. So keep it, just don't use it. Contests are back in these games, and as such, for us, that means that points for contests are back, and we are going to be very sad. As with previous series, in games with contests, they are going to be worth five points each, so not a huge amount, but cumulatively, that can add up, particularly in a closed series. Notably, unlike in Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald, the underwater sections that you access with the HM Dive in Oras are considered by the internal logic of Oras to be a part of the route that they're in, and not their own separate area named Underwater. And so, we will be able to get multiple underwater encounters. And those encounters will belong to the route that they're in. Now, with that being said, that does make our good friend Relicanth significantly less rare than they were in Gen 3, where none of us got one. And that is important because a 5% Relicanth encounter is what separates you and access to the Reggie Trio, which is worth a lot of points in, in legendary KOs. And with that in mind and in the spirit of the original Reggie Lottery, as we called it in Gen 3, we are not going to be abusing any RNG to try to manipulate our way into a Relicanth encounter, including repel tricks. We're not, we're not going to do it. We either get it randomly or not at all. Lastly, we will be playing the post game of Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. That is actually where that fourth week of doubles PVP is going to slot in. I'm sorry, Annabeth. I thought about that at work today and forgot to put it in the <laughs> outline. We're going to be doing the Delta episode uh, and that will be a doubles week to avoid spoilers. The Delta episode specifically demands that you capture a certain legendary Pokemon. Like, like you cannot progress without catching it though. It can be KO'd before it's captured to earn points. If, if you would like to, but the Delta episode then demands that you put it in your party. Like you can't bank it. And these are really cool, like final penultimate boss fights that are designed around this legendary. You can use this legendary for those boss fights. That's totally valid. We won't be bringing it to PVP at the end of that week for obvious reasons. But like in the big boss fight where it's you and this huge legend against this massive boss. Yeah, use the fucking legend. That's that's what it's there for. That's what you're supposed to do in the game. There are literally cinematics of you using the fucking thing. Use it. It's fine. There is a trainer boss battle in the Delta episode, which will be worth the same amount of points as a champion battle, which is 50. And yeah, the Delta episode is going to receive its own episode of the show, as will the following episode, which will be the remaining post-game content and the champion and Elite Four rematches, which will be our true finale and conclude the series. Both Elite Four gauntlets, both champion fights will receive finale format PvP at the end. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is all the weird shit about Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. 
most of it is really cool and exciting shit though like i'm really excited to play these games but as always our champion for our previous series gets to set a rule for the next series unilaterally on top of everything else uh, and this time for the first time in her entire blast burn radio run that previous champion is celeste who dominated series eight from toe to tip so celeste why don't you introduce us to your very first champions rule so this is embarrassing um i can't remember it because <laughs> my brain's freaking fried at the moment we, we talked about this stuff first like months ago so that's not unreasonable so the idea that Celeste approached us with was was basically something to shake up PvP rosters week to week to make things a little bit more interesting. And we kicked around a number of different ideas. But the one that, that she ultimately settled on was, you know, we bring a roster of eight Pokemon into PvP any given week. This season, six of those eight have to be the ones that come out of the gym with you at the end of the week or five or four if you lose some but everything that comes out of the gym alive has to be on your pvp roster which includes notably the egg that you pick up at the end of the gym so if you come out with five pokemon alive one of them comes goes into the egg box and you pull out a spinda guess what spinda is on the roster for that week yeah y'all are gonna see some wild ass team building <laughs> it's gonna be interesting and i think this is a really good idea honestly like we we have seen a lot of busting out of the bank whatever happens to be good for this gym before going back to the real team over the course of the series and that meta is immediately shaken up because like if you want to get something out because it's good in a gym that's fine but you've got to be comfortable either bringing it to pvp or having it be dead weight on the roster yep and yeah i think i think this is a good change one million percent mm -hmm. i remember when we were discussing it and why and i know i abused the hell out of that last season where i just pulled out a penguin for the fairy gem and didn't use it beyond Celeste, that unless you have never seen a loophole that you will not shove full of drugs <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Look, last season I destroyed everything with loopholes and skarmories. But in fairness, you saw this one and decided to close it. So kudos. Yes. All right. Well, that is that is everything. We have filled your heads full to bursting with trivia about the games and mindless minute of our rule set. Uh, and now it's time once again to choose the partners and friends that we will be taking this new journey with. Now, draft order is, of course, determined by performance in the previous series, which means that as our Series 8 champion, Celeste will get the first choice. Celeste, which starter are you taking with you into Halloween? You're going to hate me, but I'm taking my derpy little muddy water boy again. <laughs> Gustav coming out of retirement. Yep. You know, I get it. I really do. This is frustrating it, only in that you shit on that thing consistently week in and week out as it was the biggest fucking problem on your entire ass team and you never appreciated it once. And now you're just like, nobody else gets to either. This is this is my sack of shit. <laughs> It lives here. <laughs> Look, I was a pretty new Nuzlocker back then, too, and didn't appreciate a lot of things. And you're going to get a swole boy now. Gustav done hit up arm day. Not leg day. Not really. But arm day for sure. Just giant arm day. But somehow moves faster. He can. Circumstantially move very fast. <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> well, Annabeth, how how about you? Are are we literally running this back, or are we? I'm not doing the Christmas tree. I'm not doing it. God. <laughs> 
Yep, we're, I, I'm I'm drafting I'm drafting Aries. I'm unretiring the jersey. He's coming back. You know what? Fuck it. Good. 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 Give me the lizard. I love the lizard. I crave him. Together we shall have victory. Fuck. Fuck with Hall of Fame claws. We don't have fucking shit for water. Fuck. Fuck me. God damn it. Okay. Okay. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. I've got I've got a tree lizard and he's going to shoot his fucking tail like a missile and it's going to be great. I'm I'm happy. This is good. We're all going to be using Pelipper for water this time around. God, I, until like like there's a lot of of diversity in water types, but it's all at the fucking ass end of the game. Like yeah, early game water types not mm, mm, this is I I hope that y'all were considerate and generous with your eggs and, and on that note <laughs> we have our starters so we will decide our game versions and thankfully as the holder of the doof this w- this is a decision i actually get to make and on the note of holy shit we have no options for water i'm gonna take alpha sapphire because alpha sapphire has a ludicolo in it and i could use a little ludi in my life yeah i'm legitimately right there with you so <laughs> i hope you're you're enjoying um some ground on action Celeste. <laughs> good news he's hot bacon this time around <laughs> hey may- maybe you'll uh may- maybe you'll get your uh zangoose this time oh god or maybe you won't kill your uh swablu oh my god I have my shiny swablu that i killed like two minutes into having it sometimes it'd be like that yeah all right guys well well there you have it three hosts three starters three versions ready to kick off and this week, our hosts will once again find themselves shoved precariously into the back of a moving van by vaguely abusive parents as we're brought to our new home in Newbark Town, where we will just miss Dad Norman on TV. We'll meet our dumb and sweet or dumb and chock-a-block full of toxic masculinity new neighbor. Depending on the, the flavor we go with, we'll save his dad from a vicious zigzagoon and meet our new Pokemon partners. We will set off on our journey, pausing in Petalburg City to help the Make-A-Wish kid catch his first pokemon and get negged by our dad that we're not good enough for his gym before heading north through petalburg forest where we'll save a sales rep of the devon corp from eco terrorists on our way to rustboro city and gym leader roxanne now roxanne is a rock type specialist she uses a geodude and an onyx her signature move is rock tune and the level limit for this week will be 14 guys we're here this is it how how does it feel to be staring down the barrel of three more months of Hoenn? Are we excited to be back in the land of trumpets and water? I'm just excited to be back in general, though I am realizing in drafting Torchic, I have put myself into a terrible week one predicament yet again. Again, you barely made it out the first time. Just don't get all your Pokemon killed before the gym like last time. Yeah, we'll see if I can find a... An, an easy mode option to get through Roxanne and then lean into uh, some better options as we move forward. Yeah. Again, like, rock is such a wild type because like it's, it's, there's a reason it's the first gen because so many things are good against it. But when you, when you add in our hard mode as a factor where you can't use anything super effective, suddenly it's like super threatening. It's very bulky and you can't use half your moves because half of everything you know is super effective. It's pretty wild. I hate rock gyms every single season that we do for that reason. Like what actually hits it well kills it dead <laughs> and everything else does not. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. 
It's going to be really good. I've, again, I've done a lot of early game Emerald Nuzlocke off and on over the course of the last year. And this is going to be a cakewalk compared to that, baby. Let's go. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I'm honestly really looking forward to it. I love Hoenn. I don't know why. I just do. I'm glad we're going back into it. The last time I played in Hoenn, I played a randomizer and it was wild with exploding furrets and... was just nuts. Annabeth, has Celeste been consistently positive about Pokemon for an entire podcast? I think so. Look, I'm also on anti- antidepressants, so that might be another reason. Who knows? Ah, uh, hell yeah. Hey, fuck it. Yay. Do drugs, play Pokemon. Let's go. All right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's a weird message. Remember, guys, as we discussed up top, uh, gameplay this season will be live on Twitch. Uh, You can follow me over at twitch.tv slash jollybynature, and you can expect me to find me uh, streaming live on... This week's going to be weird, actually, because my wife's like leaving town midway through the week. So probably Wednesday, Thursday evening, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can keep an eye on Twitter or Discord for those go live notifications. But yeah, we'll be live in just a couple days and likely a little bit through the weekend as well. So I hope you guys are hyped for that. Now you can find Miss Annabeth. Yeah, I'm at twitch.tv uh, slash incidentally Anna. I don't know when I'm going to be live. I have to bring children back to a place this weekend uh, and then I will assess what my options are. But it's likely early week is going to be where I'm at for recording. So like Monday, Tuesday are big, easy evenings for me where I don't have a lot of stuff. So I just keep an eye on notifications uh, for sure. Uh, but we will be live here soon. I honestly don't know when I'm going to be live either. I, I'm going to try to figure out a good schedule without stepping on the toes of either Anna or Steven. Don't worry about me. I'm just going to like flail randomly in the darkness. It's fine. Just... Play when you can play. No big D. All right, we'll figure it out. I Just keep an eye out on the Twitch channel. I'll, I'll be live when I can, and I'll try to announce it. I just don't know when. And it's been like over a year since we've like said it, Celeste. What is that Twitch channel? Where can they find you? Oh, sorry, it's twitch.tv slash Celeste. And guys, you'll be able to join us for PvP live the first ever live pvp recording over at twitch.tv slash jolly by nature current plan should line us up i believe for friday march 11th and again about that good 9 p.m time slot but again keep an eye on social media and the blastburn radio community discord for future details because that is a plan that is liable to remain at least a little bit fluid as always we want your emails it's been a while since we've heard from you guys uh whether you are starting up your own or ass playthrough along with us or if you just want to give us your thoughts and feelings on the show, what we're doing, why you don't want to listen to me rant and rave about fucking random sci-fi bullshit for an hour on Patreon, whatever, uh, let us know about it by email to BlastburnRadio at gmail.com or tweet the show at BlastburnRadio. Um, and again, as a reminder, $5 on Patreon will get you our new Patreon-exclusive podcast. But that being said, I'm just going to take a moment to say that it feels we could really use the financial support from you guys, and I'm not going to try to downplay it like like we couldn't. I put a lot of work into this show. We all do, and I don't make a ton of money. So, like, it's helpful. Like, I appreciate it. There are a lot of people in this world right now who need your money way fucking worse than I do. If you have the means and you would like to, like, there are a lot of good causes that, that could use your support right now. The ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, is going to be putting forward a lot of very expensive lawsuits in the very near future um, and could use donations. The Trevor Project, as always, is a phenomenal not-for-profit that tr- does their best to reduce the risk of suicide among LGBT youth. 
And Doctors Without Borders, which is a medical charity that seeks to give medical care in dangerous and war-torn parts of the world, is likely to also find themselves very in need of funding very, very soon. I'm just going to go out and say, um, if you donate to any of these charities, send us your receipt. If we get to, let's say, $300 in community donations in the next couple of weeks, we'll release the first four episodes of the patron show on the main feed. because. Yeah, like like we love you guys. We appreciate your financial support. They need it more than we do right now, and we can do some good. Uh, now, as always, you can follow me personally at BBR Jolly on Twitter. I'm at Celeste Lost. And I'm at Incidentally Anna. I do want to thank everyone for joining us today. I want to give a very special thank you, as always, to my co-hosts, Annabeth and Celeste. For Blastburn Radio, I have been Stephen Charbonneau. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. We'll see you next time, folks. Bring on the trumpets. Blastburn Radio is a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Patrick Miller. If you enjoy Blastburn Radio, you can support us over at patreon.com slash challengeacceptedmedia. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy, off the OC Remix album, The Missing No Tracks. Check out this great album at missingno.ocremix.org. Battle music in today's episode provided by Glitch X City. Check out her work on YouTube or SoundCloud at Glitch X City. Closing music in today's episode is Shoal Cave Remix, version 2, also by Glitch X City. Blastburn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content. <laughs>